Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Money and Integrity podcast presented by worklifemoney.co. My name is Kimberly. I'm a career mindset coach and the founder of worklifemoney.co, and I'm here to help you develop the personal growth skills to meaningfully make and manage your money to create work-life balance. How? By tackling the self-doubt, imposter syndrome, and procrastination habits that are holding high-achieving perfectionists back. And today, I'm going to be giving you a personal growth update and this one is going to be a little bit different. So instead of just doing a personal growth update for the month, I decided to do one for the decade. And that is because I turned 30 at the end of April. So I thought it would be kind of fun to share my personal growth throughout my 20s. And instead of just doing a typical 30 things that I learned by the time I was 30 kind of episode, I decided to share with you something I have literally never fully shared with anyone, not with my partner, not with my family, not with my best friends. And that is my 30 before 30 list. So I'm going to be sharing with you my personal growth lessons related to my tangible goals in my 20s. And this was a list that I created when I was 20 or 21. And it is a sort of different type of list. It is a list composed of all these goals that I literally had no idea how I was going to accomplish. So on this list aren't goals that I knew I could do. It wasn't stuff like moving abroad because I was already in the midst of doing it and planning it out. But these are all goals that I just wrote down. I had no clue how I was going to accomplish it, in what way, shape, or form that was going to come out. And some of these goals I did accomplish, and some of them I did complete partially, and I'll explain that a little bit later, and I tried to complete them. And some of them I'm just not interested in anymore. And so I think it's really interesting to see how, and important to remind yourself that when you're creating goals, it's okay to change your mind and it's okay to just take action with the knowledge that you know now instead of being stuck in the planning phase forever. Because when I made these goals, I had like literally no plans. I had no idea what I was going to do, how this was going to happen, but I tried for it anyways. And It was also really fun because whenever I felt lost in my 20s, I would refer back to this list. So I thought it'd be really fun to share it with you today. Again, this stuff is very random. Um, Some of it is career. Some of it's very personal. Some of it's just very silly and fun. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Now, nothing on this list is like in any kind of order. I kind of just made it at random. But the first thing on my list is going to be, actually the first header on this list is to set goals, not limits. And that was kind of my motto in my 20s that I wanted to accomplish something, but I just had no idea how I was going to do it. So the first one was actually going skydiving. And I did complete this. It was on May 12th, 2012 in Italy. So this was while I was studying abroad. And when I say I have no goals, um, like no plans on how to complete it, I really didn't. This one was probably the one that I completed with the most short notice. So when I was in Italy, I was in my Italian class and this girl in front of me who I had known as an acquaintance and we became friends afterwards, turns around and says, hey, Kim, um, a bunch of us are going skydiving this weekend. Do you want to come? And this obviously was on the top of my list. And 
it was just the perfect opportunity. So I just said, yes, I literally um, uh, made that plan on Wednesday. And on Saturday, I was jumping out of an airplane. And so this is kind of one of those things where um, I put it on my list. And when the opportunity came up, I just did it. And I actually didn't even tell my parents that I was going through with this. Um, I only told my sister and uh, I, I, I did end up telling my parents, I showed them the video of me jumping out of the airplane while we were on a Skype call together. And I didn't tell them what the video was. And so my mom nearly had a heart attack, but my father thought it was really cool. So this is uh, an example of just putting something on a list and then just doing it, um, not knowing how it was going to come and just not overthinking it. Like I didn't try to do the perfect plan and figure out the perfect place to do it. I was like, here's the opportunity. I'm going to take it. And so that was the first one. The second thing on my list was to scuba dive actually in Australia in the Great um, Barrier Reef. And I actually did not end up completing this. I did end up snorkeling in Australia and, and doing a free dive in the coral reef. So that's a little bit more um, closer to the surface. The reason for this is because when I was in Australia, I was on a cruise ship. And if you don't know, I actually spent like seven years working in the cruising industry. And one of the perks of it was that if you completed um, this cruise training program, the cruise line actually gave you a free cruise. And of course, you had to pay for the, your own airfare. And there was always like a huge list of cruises that you could pick from. And the one I chose was a 19 day cruise from like Australia to, um, uh, to I think the final stop was either Vietnam or Indonesia. Oh, no, it was Singapore. The final stop was Singapore. But we did end up going to Vietnam on that cruise ship as well. So it was just really interesting. And um, one of the th reasons why I didn't go scuba diving was because the timing doesn't work out. So if you've ever been on a cruise ship before, you're only in port like for a certain amount of time. And if you're a scuba diver, you'll know that there there is a time frame for that as well. So usually people go really early in the morning. So that would be before we got into port. Also, there's a lot of restrictions when it comes to scuba diving on when you can um, go before and after an airplane just because of the way that your body adjusts to cabin and water pressure. So it just wasn't like the logistics of it didn't work out. But I'm actually not at all bummed about this because I ended up going scuba diving in Palau, which I think was even more beautiful. If you have I think it's so underrated. If you are in the scuba diving community, you'll know that Palau is just like on like one of the top places to go. Super underrated, like in the travel community, people don't really know about it. And it's so incredibly beautiful. And one of the reasons why I'm really glad I went to Palau and the lesson that I learned on this trip is that when it comes to Australia, there is a high level of tourism. And because I used to work in tourism, I'm very critical about this. Um, and it is to the detriment of the area, of the environment. And I could see that because Australia doesn't have as much protection um, against its um, Great Coral Reef, Great Barrier Reef that I thought it would. Um, Palau is very protective. Like they're very restrictive of how many people can go, what you're um, wearing, what you're like, you can't even have sunscreen in the water. Um, they're very protective of their environment and it is very expensive to go in Palau just because there's so much like money that goes into protecting the environment. 
Um, and I was surprised that Australia did not have the same restrictions and protections against its scuba diving community. It seemed like a little bit more like that it was based on tourism. So this was a learning lesson that I had. And this was in 2015 that to really, and this whole like trip, this is when I was, you know, in Asia and Australia, New Zealand, that um, what it's, what your money actually go to, goes towards. And I am willing to pay more money to go on a scuba diving trip where the waters are protected, where um, it's clean and where there are restrictions on tourism than going on cheaper things that might exploit the environment. And this is, this whole trip was my first door into that. So that's number two. Number three is I had a plan to go one whole year either taking dance classes or going for a run at least once a week. So this wasn't a goal as in it wasn't like a massive goal. It was a persistence goal. So it was a goal that I needed to com like complete every single week for an entire year, which is actually very difficult. And I almost completed it. So I almost completed it from January 2019 to October 2019. And the only reason that I stopped was because I got into an accident in November 2019. And it resulted in a concussion. And it was just like, I was not in the best place. Um, it was against my like my doctor advised me you can't run. And I ended up not being able to run for like the next six months, um, because it was that bad. And so I obviously just stopped for the sake of um, of my own health and safety. And it was one of those things where I'm going to still give myself credit for it, because I did try, I did plan it out, something, an event just unexpectedly happened. And I got into an accident and that is what ended it, but that's okay. So that was number three. Number four was actually visit a Holocaust concentration camp. And this is something I completed in, looks like July 8th. Wow, I was really specific on this one. July 8th, 2012 at Auschwitz, Poland. And I'm so glad I went. I love history. I almost minored in it. And I love, I've learned I love just learning about like World War II. And that's what I did throughout a lot of my university and high school days. And it's one thing to read about history. And this is why I'm such a proponent of um, historical pre preservation, because it's one thing to learn about it and traveling is, but it's a whole other experience to be there and being in Auschwitz and Birkenau and visiting the Holocaust concentration camp. It was so moving. It was so incredibly powerful. And even though Krakow was like completely out of the way um, when I was like um, living in Italy and traveling too, because it's just so completely East and I had no other plans to be in Eastern Europe. Um, and it was a little bit um, arduous to get to just because the train, like once you leave like what Western to Central Europe, the, the, transportation system back then wasn't super great like the public transportation but it was so worth it and Krakow which is the city I was staying in when I um, visited Auschwitz and Birkenau so Auschwitz is the concentration now Birkenau was the bigger one um, about 30 minutes away and Krakow is like this magical city I, I just loved it Poland was amazing the Polish people are so nice like I had a really great time and I learned so much and this really kicked off um, my interest in visiting sites of genocide and that has had a huge huge impact on how i view democracy how i view social justice and how i view um 
um, just the construct of a, a democracy and a nation altogether, and how you're able to move past genocide and hatred. And this resulted in me later on going to the killing fields in Phnom Penh. I also visited the um, uh, the um, the Rwandan genocide sites in Kigali, and it was it's just so incredible. I could like go on forever about this, but this actually made a really profound impact on how I chose my career and just how I view democracy and why I'm such a big advocate for it and how I am how I conduct myself professionally in social justice. Like it is just amazing. So I really love that I put this on my list because it just opened my world up. And at this time, I think I was like 21. Yeah, I was 21 at this time. And it was just this catalyst that kicked off my um, my 20s in a way that was so pivotal to my development in my 20s. And the I'm going to try to go through these a little quicker because I'm like, this is going to be a really long episode. Number five was Climb Machu Picchu, which I did. And I did that in April 2019. And it was super great. It was also one of those um, aspects where I got to learn about different types of tourism. I'm very interested in social like justice and no, social tourism because I worked in it for so long. I love travel and I also love social justice and like economic um learning about a different um, country's economic interests, that um, climbing Machu Picchu was a lot of, it was a great time. And it was really interesting to learn more about Peru. I, this was one of the first trips I've ever gone that was not by myself. That was not a solo trip. This is when I went with my partner and it actually takes like six months to book this, um, this trail. Cause we went on the Inca trail and it, literally was December when I booked it and we didn't end up going until April but learning about the Incan people looking learning about the trail it was um and um, Machu Picchu it was really fun so I'm glad I really got uh, that I did that and that I survived that because if you had told me that I was going to go hiking for four days in my 20s like my early 20s I would be like Eric I don't know if I can survive this but um I did train um, and that was a part of that running for a whole year type of thing. I did train for this, the altitude and, and the hiking. So I'm really proud of myself for completing that. Number six is watch the sunrise from a hot air balloon. I did not complete this. I had this idea of wanting to do this in Cappadocia, um, but it just never worked out to go to Turkey, to be in Istanbul. Like I thought about completing this when I was in Africa in 2016, but it, it really just wasn't the right time and place. And because I travel alone, I also have to be very careful. Like I have to, I'm adventurous, but I also am very smart on what, you know, I can, the, the boundaries I'm willing to push. And Turkey wasn't the best at that time. It wasn't also the best at that time when I was in um, studying in Italy, but this is something I really want to complete, um, you know, later on, just not right now. And that's okay. Um, number seven sounds really ridiculous, but it was something that I really want to complete, but I didn't. And that is hug Taylor Swift. So I am a huge Taylor Swift fan. And I have been actually since the very beginning. And um, so I had this early on in my list. And I, like, whenever she came to Vancouver, 
I would go to multiple concerts. And there's only two that I actually missed. And the first one was um, her on her Fearless tour, tour. And that was only because she didn't come to Vancouver. She went to Seattle, which I would have gone down to see her. But it was the night of my prom, so I didn't. And the other one was the Reputation Tour. And I didn't uh, go there, again, because she didn't come to Vancouver. And I was going to fly out to Toronto to see her, but I had a wedding that day. So the timing of those things just didn't work out. But for every other concert, even when she was in Vancouver and she played two shows, I went to two shows um, and I would dress up and I would just really wanted to be like invited to her tea party or her lounges. Yeah, that never happened. And th this is a goal I'm still pursuing, though, even though she's probably not going to hug strangers for a really long time. Um, but I'm really like really persistent. This I, I'm disappointed I didn't get to complete this one, but it was like completely random. I had like no way. <laughs> I had no plan on how this was going to be executed. And the um, eighth thing on my list was to sleep under the stars. So this might not sound very difficult to complete, but I didn't want to just like go outside in my backyard and sleep under the stars. I wanted to do something incredible. I wanted to be somewhere where there were lots of stars. And I did do this on my New Zealand road trip and this was in March 2015 and it's funny because this was completely unplanned as well so I was I was in Asia in 2015 in the spring of 2015 and my best friend was living in New Zealand at that time and our plan was actually to meet in Australia and start the cruise together um, that free cruise I had talked about earlier and she um, was on a road trip in New Zealand because she had taken some time off of work and she ended it early with her friend. And so she messaged me and said, Hey, you know, we're finishing this road trip a lot earlier than I had planned. Would you want to come down to New Zealand and we can just drive around in the car for a week before we get to Australia? And I was like, hell yeah, that sounds great. Um, it was kind of a little bit difficult to try to get to New Zealand because I was in Thailand at that time. And flights from Thailand to New Zealand are quite expensive at that time. But I found a cheap flight from Japan to Thailand, sorry, Japan to New Zealand. And then I went from, um, I found a cheap flight from Thailand to Japan. So I ended up just flying to Japan and spending a week there as well. So that's the story of how I also accidentally ended up, you know, in Japan. But driving around in the and sleeping in the back of a car was also an experience that I'm really glad I did in my 20s and it was just me and her other friend as well so it was just a bunch of girls it's one of those things where I'm really glad that I got to live my 20s to the fullest and I know that a lot of people and this is why I'm a proponent of not always having to have the perfect plan and I had no real career path when I was in my 20s but I had such full experiences. I'm so glad I didn't worry so much, I feel like, about uh, like where, what I was going to do in my life because it all works out in the end. I'm glad I got that time in my life to really explore who I was and learn who I was. And my mom always tells me like, you know, you have the rest of your life to work and you have the rest of your life to grow up. And I'm really glad I didn't rush this portion of it. And that leads me to number nine, which is run a marathon, which I did not do, but I completed a half marathon on June 23rd, 2019. And I'm not actually going to go for a full marathon. And this is one of those things where, again, I learned a lot about myself. Running a marathon, wow, that is not only long, but it's kind of boring. <laughs> 
I love to run. I've always been an avid runner. Like I, even when I was a teenager, so I thought running a marathon would be really cool, but this is something I dropped off my list because it is, if I were to complete it, I feel like now it's more for my ego than anything else and for the enjoyment or even the health benefits of it. Because like running a half and training for a half marathon was already like, you know, a lot of physical exercise and fitness and stuff like that. And actually running for extreme long periods of times, it's super not, it's actually not that healthy. Um, and you have to be really careful about how you plan out your runs because, you know, you don't want to overstress your, um, your body. And then I kept getting shin splints at the end of training for my half marathon, but I'm very proud of my half marathon. Um, it's just funny. Cause I, when I say it's boring, it's like, when I was training for my half marathon, it's not just the run itself. It's all the training that leads up to it. So the run is in kilometers is 21 kilometers. And so obviously I had to build myself up to that stamina. And at that point, running about 10K was pretty easy for me, although I'd never hit the time frame that I wanted. So I had to work on that. But um, running, like practicing for it was like sometimes so boring. Like, honestly, like I would run like 15 kilometers every weekend. Um, and then like two to three kilometers during the week to spread it out. Right. And oh my gosh, like I ran out of things like to listen to. I listened to so many podcasts. I listened to so much music. I started listening to the same music over and over again because it's like hours at a time. I would go for two or three hours at a time and then have to also do my running throughout the week. Yeah. I was like, no, this is fun, but like, and I'm going to complete it. And it was difficult and scary. And I'm so glad I did it. But would I do it again? I might do a half marathon again because I could do that now that I could do it the first time. But running a marathon, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to train. So a marathon is 42 kilometers. I'm going to have to run for four to five hours at a time to train up to get up there. And I was like, no, it's okay. <laughs> no longer that interested in it, but it was fun to try. Um, number 10 was see all 10 provinces and three territories in Canada. I did not complete this. So some of these items were highly impacted by COVID because I did not get to complete all of this stuff. But that's okay. I think that um, I got only like less than halfway. So I went to British Columbia, Alberta, Ontario, and Quebec. I was also supposed to go to the Yukon, but I'll share that story later. I'm still like that's still on my bucket list. And you know what? Maybe with COVID, it's a sign to travel more of Canada instead of being international, but I'm okay with not completing this because my focus was very international for a while. And I'm glad it was because um, traveling Canada obviously is a lot easier and like the only thing I can do now with COVID. And even though I haven't traveled at all since COVID, um, uh, it might be a while until the international borders open up. I don't know. I'm hopeful, but I'm very, I've been very optimistic about how um, we could travel during COVID and every time I've been very wrong. So we'll see how that goes. Number 11 was ride a camel in the desert. So I did not complete this. Um, I, again, I had, when I was in Africa in 2016, I thought I would go to Egypt. Wasn't the right time for it. The airspace wasn't very safe. And I would have, if I would be traveling by land, it was just so far from where I was. Like I was in Tanzania, Mo um, Mozambique, South Africa at that time. It was just like, if I couldn't fly there, it'd be really, really difficult. And again, I travel alone. I just didn't feel comfortable traveling for that ex extensive of a land trip by myself. So that's still on the to-do list. Maybe Egypt, maybe Morocco, but after COVID.
Number 12, this is actually really interesting. This was something I tried twice and I like failed at twice. Um, and like not saying failed as in like I didn't, as in I didn't complete it, but like failed as in like just something unexpected happened. So this was see the Northern Lights. And you would think this is easy because I live in Canada. And so I was planning on going to Yellowknife. Um, and I just go, you know, it doesn't seem like it's that hard to go see the Northern Lights for me. Um, pure, uh, sorry, not Yellowknife, White Horse. Um, it doesn't seem like it was that difficult for me because like, I, it's like literally the territory above British Columbia. And I actually had a plane ticket to go to Whitehorse in 2017. In March 2017, I had a friend living and, uh, and working up there temporarily. She invited me up. I had my plane ticket. I had my place to stay. I was ready to go. And that week, I had a family emergency. And this was the week that I learned that my dad was sick. And I couldn't go anymore. And thankfully, I still had insurance, so... Um, and it was because it was a medical emergency, it was fine. Like, um, so I got my money back and I was with my family and, and because I was also staying with a friend, I didn't have any hotel booked. Um, and of course she was wonderful and very understanding about it, but yeah, that was the first time I didn't complete it. So I tried again in November, 2020, and this is obviously 2020 was the year of COVID and we couldn't travel anywhere else. And I just thought, oh, maybe, you know, we could still travel within Canada. And I, when I first made those plans to go see the Northern Lights, again, this was like at the beginning of COVID and I was very optimistic and I was like, this will be gone in six months. It was not gone in six months. It's not even gone like 18 months later, um, like a year later, actually. And so I was like, we'll be fine. And But when it came closer to the time, I decided against it with my partner and he was very understanding. He was really cool with it. Um, because I'm the obviously the more adventurous one and the one who plans everything. And the reason for that is we could have still gone, but COVID like had kind of a resurgence. That's when our second wave started. So we were pretty good in the summertime. And so that's why I thought, oh, maybe like we were having, we were on like single digit um, COVID cases a day. So there were days where we had like seven cases and I was like, oh, okay. Like maybe like things are getting better and um, we can maybe travel a little bit domestically but it didn't happen that way. And we could have still gone, but I didn't want to go up. And first of all, to a place, a population like um, White Horse that has a large indigenous populations and native tribes. And, you know, they don't have the same healthcare systems that we do in Vancouver. So if someone were to get sick up there, like it could wipe out an entire like type of indigenous population. So I didn't want to be the person responsible for that. And, um, I also didn't want to go up because, you know, things were like closing down again and I just didn't want to go up to like a ghost town. And so it just wasn't the right time. So it's funny that this was like, I've been so many places in the world and this was like, just like almost like my neighboring territory. And I, I've tried twice and it didn't work out, but that'll be on my next list. I think that the Yukon will always be there and um, I will go up again when it is safe for both myself and the population in Whitehorse. All right, number 13, I'm going to try and move through these things a little bit quicker, is to become fluent in French. And I'm not fluent, but I would say I was intermediate. And this was something I started in 2013. I went to a Quebec immersion summer 
program in Canada called Explora. So I was at Laval University in Quebec um, City, and I loved being in Quebec City. Quebec is like probably like, like my favorite province outside of BC. It's just so wonderful, and people are so great there, and I just love the Quebec culture. Um, and I did take my French exam while I was in Vancouver to keep up my level from like 2016, 2017, 2018. I'm pretty sure I did in 2019 as well. I didn't do it in 2020 just because I know there's like online classes and stuff because I was, I used to have a French tutor. Um, and you know what? I just like it, it's not the same. Okay. I'm the type of person that needs, likes to be in a classroom and like to be around other people, especially when it comes to learning a language, because like, unlike other subjects, where, you know, I could kind of hide behind reading and stuff like that. Like what I don't sometimes like speaking French because I feel like I'm embarrassed when I make a mistake or if I don't say something perfectly. And when you're in a classroom environment, it's re it really pushes you outside of those like comfort zone, that type of comfort zone, because you're kind of forced to talk um, even in front of a lot of people, even if you don't feel comfortable. And I really like that, that it pushes you to do that. And I think that when it comes to like Zoom classrooms, you don't even have to have your camera on. You can just kind of like fall and fade to the background a lot easier. So this is something I want to pursue into my 30s as well. Um, and it's, I think it was, I knew, I mean, it wasn't over ambitious to be, say, I wanted to be fluent, but this was not something I put enough time and energy into. And number 14 was actually to become intermediate in the major language of like every continent. So I had big goals. Um, so not only English, but Spanish, French, Swahili, and Mandarin. And so French, I actually am intermediate in, so I will give myself credit for that. Spanish, nope, not so much. Like when I went to South America, um, I understood some of it because it's very similar to French, but... I feel like I have to be better at French in order to learn Spanish. And the only reason for that is because I mix up the words because they sound similar. And this is something I struggled with when I was learning Italian and French. I kind of had to push the Italian out of my head for a while because I would mix up words and I didn't even know it. Um, uh, Swahili is something I started practicing in 2015. I would love to learn more about it. And Mandarin, I think it's my next big goal just because my partner's family is Mandarin. I live in Vancouver and lots of people speak Mandarin, including my friends. So this is something that I'm still going to be working and ongoing in my 30s. Number 16, uh, sorry, number 15 was finishing and uh, my, my RCM 10 piano examination. And RCM is the Royal Conservatory of Music. So that's the standard of um uh, music within Canada. I don't know if actually it's in the United States as well. Um, but I wanted to complete my RCM 10 because I felt like this, I felt like I kind of gave up on this after my senior year of high school. So my senior year of high school, I was RCM nine, but I kind of let, you know, university and college and just applications and life get in my way. And then I was traveling so much that I didn't really focus on piano at all anymore and I really wanted my RCM 10 the problem is not actually the piano portion of it it's the fact that what to get that certificate you also have to finish the theory part of, part of it because the piano part of it I feel like I could do pretty easily um, if I put my mind to it and if I got a piano again like if I practiced but the theory component of it is pretty difficult and that is something I would actually need a tutor and someone to really help me through so I don't have a piano anymore because I don't live at home. And um, 
where I live now in my last apartment is just a condo. I know people say you can get a keyboard, but you know, condos are not, um, especially because now as I live with my partner, we don't have a ton of room, but I just don't have the time and energy to focus on really doing it right now. But I did continue piano in my 20s teaching it um, to children in the downtown east side. So if you don't know what that is, it's like um, the worst part of Vancouver. It was for disadvantaged children. And I was a volunteer. So I would just give children like free music lessons. And so that's how I was able to keep music as a part of my life, even though I wasn't aggressively pursuing my music um I'm not, I'm not even, I want to say career, my music certificate anymore, but it's something I do want to go back to. Number seven, 16 was go back to Vietnam to see my family, which I did complete in 2015. And I'm so glad I did um, because I had seen my family when I was nine. And again, when I was 14 in Vietnam, those are the two times I went back. And to go back in 2015, so I had to be like, what, 20 at that time turning 23 turning 24 and I'm so glad I did it and this is one of those things where it's like I'm glad I just made the time and effort to do the things I want in my life instead of focusing so much on like building my business and my career in my 20 in my early 20s because um my grandfather was um sick at that time and he had Alzheimer's and he had Alzheimer's for a while and he actually passed the year afterwards and I am so thankful that I was able to go back and to see him before he passed. And it was, it's just one of those things where it's like, this is some things that you can't take back um, and time that you can't go back and fix and being able to, you know, just go and travel and not like wait until I'm like retired or, you know, when I feel like, oh, I have more time and stuff like that. I'm really glad I prioritized this in that portion and that time of my life because yeah, like now I make money and this is something I've been trying to reconcile with myself while I'm entering my 30s is that sometimes I feel like I don't, I haven't accomplished that much. <laughs> and it sounds really strange because I'm going through my 30s before 30 list, but I see so many people like go so far along in their careers and in their businesses. And it's this, going through this list is a great reminder that, you know, I may not feel like I accomplished that much on the maybe career and business side, but I feel like I accomplished a lot on my personal growth sides in my 20s. Um, number 17 is become the more board member of a charity. So I tried to do this three times and I failed three times. <laughs> so the first time was in Tanzania and that was when my project coordinator was actually developing, uh, had the idea to develop her own organization and charity and that didn't really pan out. So she had asked me to be, become a board member of that charity and it just didn't come to fruition. Um, the next one was in 2019 where I applied for the charity that I had actually worked for that music program um, when I was in university and I applied to be a board member because I was a volunteer for their program and I didn't get that. And the last one was for an organization that promotes democracy and voting and that was in 2020, and I didn't get that either. And there is like no shame in me saying that like I didn't get it. Um, it was a great learning process, and actually, I'm glad I didn't get it because being a board member, like doing the research on what it actually takes to be a board member, I do need more focused experience in certain areas, and that's what I'm working on right now. Um, but also, 
it just takes a lot more time and commitment. And I'm glad I didn't get those things just because I feel like it would have just been one more thing on my plate at that time. And this is something I also talk to my clients a lot about because for some reason, like I attract my clients always want to be a board member of a charity as well. So I get it. I understand the pull towards it, but it is about finding that balance and that creating, you know, that ability in your career to advance up and just and then being able to take that time and energy to divert it and to allocate it to being a board member of a charity. And I wasn't at that place yet. I'm hoping to be there in my 30s. Number 18 was volunteer abroad. And I did that in May to June 2016 in Tanzania. I was working for a microfinance um, organization um, for women. And I was very adamant when I made this decision. And when I wrote this down, I had a whole different perspective on volunteering. I thought it would be like, oh, I'm helping other countries and stuff like that. Um, and I think I came at it from a very saviorist perspective when I first wrote it on my list. And I learned so much about, you know, um, volunteerism, saviorism, all of that white saviorism, all of that type of stuff when I was in university in academia. And even then I wanted to go into it because I always thought that I would work for the UN or for a big organization. And there was one class in particular that really struck me and changed my perspective on what it was like to work for something grassroots and the ground up and actually why this type of work is important and it's not just about being a savior but being able to um, um, help people just in the way that they do need help um, without feeling like that you're imposing on something and I also wanted to challenge my own beliefs on like you know the fact that I had always had this perspective on you know wanting to help developing countries but I, I was able to obtain that perspective while in a university living in a safe country and what and to pass judgment I'm passing judgment on people um uh who are doing things in developing countries but you know the what it looks like on the ground is completely different and so I really got enraptured in you know microfinance I like the OGs of the you know microfinance world like Jeffrey Sachs I just love I just was so interested in that space and it took me a while. This actually took me a really long time to find an organization that was not a part of a big organization. Like I wanted to find something grassroots and I didn't want to pay for it. And the reason for that is because I didn't want to contribute into volunteerism um, and companies who actually profit on taking volunteers and putting them in these types of places. Um, for their own, because these are private companies, so they're for their own profit. And I saw a lot of that while I was in East and South Africa. So I did find an organization that I was um, like, and it wasn't even an organization. It was like actually a hostel and they connected you with local um, organizations that you could volunteer with. So they were just the mediator. They didn't take any money other than the fact that you could stay with them. Right. Um, and they, and so I was able to work with this women's group and meet the founder and the women in it. And I still talk to actually um, the coordinator from there um, to this day. And it just was an incredible experience and not in the way that I was feeling like I was saving somebody else, but in the way that 
you know, it was important. And I really believe in economic development and economic power. That's why I really believe in like microfinances and developing businesses. And I could talk about this forever, but that had a really profound effect on how I saw um, helping other people. I used to think that it would always have to be in this international career. And this really opened my eyes to local impact, local organizations, grassroots, and um, supporting local businesses and just the power of and the impact that it makes. So, and that's, you know, what I work in right now, which is in local government. I really believe in it. And so this was a really great thing that I had on my list. And it was something I had at the beginning and I did complete, but my perspective on it changed very drastically as I was moving through my 20s, as I was pursuing it. And then after I completed it. All right, number 19 was B on all seven continents. Okay, I really didn't complete this one. It was very quick. Didn't complete it. I did do six out of seven. My last one was Antarctica. I thought I could complete it in the last year or so. I did not. There was COVID. I um I don't even know if I will still try to pursue it. Um uh just because depending on what the global, you know, economic state of Antarctica looks like, I don't know if I'll still go, but it was on my list and I didn't complete it. Number 20 is get published in an academic journal. So this is actually when I thought I would go for my master's. I'm not going to lie and say I don't think about going for my master's quite often. Like, um, I think I'm pretty resolved in the place I am right now in my life, but kind of still always in the back of my head. And um, so, yeah, this was obviously on my list because I thought I would complete a master's and I thought I'd have my thesis published in um in an academic journal. But I will say I did get published in an international media site. And that's pretty, that was pretty, not close, but it's still pretty big to me. And that was, um, I'm a contributor to the financial diet and I've been since 2018. And it, I know it doesn't seem like a big deal to a lot of people, but for me, it was a really big deal because to see my name and the work um, and my, um, and my thoughts out there is, was really incredible. And to see, you know, how it changed people. I get messages from people saying that they read, read my articles and say that it made such um, an impact on their careers. And it makes me feel so great. So I'm still very proud of that, even though I didn't complete it. Number 21 was ride an elephant. So this is, again, one of those things where I didn't know that riding an elephant is actually not very humane. Um, and I just put this on my list because it was one of those, you know, things that I thought in my early 20s when I was writing this list that would be cool. And when I went to Thailand, I learned, you know, and this is what I mean by, you know, that in that the lessons I learned in 2015 about tourism and the environment. And it was also about, you know, how to interact with nature when it comes to tourism. And in Thailand, I learned that, you know, a lot of the elephants that get are used for rides are are abused and they are really sad and it's really unhealthy because actually the back of an elephant is quite weak it looks like it's strong but it's not and so to put a you know bamboo cart thing on top of it and sit on it it actually is very harmful to the elephant so instead I actually went to this like elephant rehabilitation center 
and I stayed there the night and we got to make food for the elephants and we got to feed the elephants and then we got to bathe the elephants. And I did, I was allowed to sit on um, the neck of the elephant because the trainers say, you know, like that is where it's, um, it is um, okay to just like clean the elephant and wash him um, a bit, but also the neck is very strong, so you're not at all hurting it. So just learning about animals and allow how to um, interact with them, that was really important. And so I didn't really ride an elephant. I bathed one <laughs> and I fed one. So I am crossing that off my list. And I did that on March 10th, 2015. The next one was spend time in a monastery. And I did complete this on February 28th, 2015 in Thailand. And this is something more spiritual related. So this is very personal to me. My family is Buddhist. And um, it's funny because I didn't even tell my parents I was going in to do this. Um, I have always been, my parents have always been very like open, like my family is Buddhist, but when we go obviously to temple and stuff like that on the New Year's, but it hasn't been like super strictly religious. And especially in Buddhism, there is a lot of, there is a spectrum of Buddhism. There are people who are very strict in it and there are people who are very spiritual in it. And I fall more into that category. And when I was in Thailand, I decided to stay in a monastery and it was very, like I could like do a whole episode on this experience, but it was a very enlightening and just opening experience um, because I'd have to wake up at three o'clock in the morning. I ate one meal a day. I spent most of the day either meditating or doing chores. Um, one night we had a 24 hour meditation. One day night we had to march to the grand palace in Bangkok. Like it was, and I just learned, I could just go on forever, but I learned so much about it. And one of the things I really learned that I've taken with me is how to deal with my emotions and meditating just helps so much. And I knew this was working because my mom, when I came back, actually noticed it. And she's like, you seem a lot less irritable. Like you, like I just process my emotions differently after meditating for so long and also seeing what was important in the world. Because when you're in the monastery, you don't have any out contact with anyone outside of the monastery. So no phones. Um, I didn't call my parents. I didn't talk to anyone. I gave my sister this number and I was like, eh, if you don't hear within with from me within a week, maybe you should call this number. And like my poor sister <laughs> always has to like, be like carry this type of responsibility and this was like in 2015 so this was pre the time of like like iPhones like I didn't have an iPhone at this time and also like we didn't have like find my friends or trackers GPSs and stuff like that so she's like okay <laughs> um but yeah it was just very an opening experience and it also just opened myself into the religion I'm not going to get too much into this in this episode because it's not like a podcast about religion but it also just opened my eyes into you know I don't know I had this really scary thought when I was there meditating one day and I was like I don't know if I believe everything that this monastery is telling me and it was just so weird like it was so surreal because I was like I'm literally in Thailand I'm literally at a Buddhist monastery and I don't know if I believe everything um and uh Buddhism is really great in the way that you know the culture, the religion teaches you that you shouldn't follow everything blindly. You really should ask questions. And so this was something that I'm still continuing on in my spiritual journey. All right. That number 24 was 30 to travel to 30 countries by 30. So I did do that. I'm not going to list all the countries because this episode's made too long. 
Um, I actually did 30 countries fully and I had like three extra countries. And what I mean by the extras is like, if I was there for a day, like during a, um, during like a cruise ship or something, a cruise port, um, I don't really count it because I didn't really learn anything about the culture or the economics, or I didn't really travel around it. I was just at the port for like literally less than a day, probably 12 hours. So that's why I don't count some countries. Um, and I would love to go back to some of them, but um, yeah, I did complete 30 countries by 30. I don't know if I'm going to list that out. We'll see. Um, number 25 was learn to code and create a website, which I did do. I didn't really learn coding that much, but I do know like basics of like HTML, CSS, because I started my blog. I actually started multiple blogs throughout my twenties, but, um, my main one was millennialifeandmin.com that I've transitioned to worklifemoney.co. I create, I design, I do everything myself. I do not have um, a website designer. I, I sometimes buy a template. Sometimes it's free from WordPress, um, but I actually do all of it myself. So I'm pretty proud of that. So number 26 was kiss a completely random stranger. And I put this on my list because I was literally watching PS I love you. But when at the time that I was writing this, list in my bedroom and it just seems so romantic in that movie if you haven't seen it yet it it's like Hilary Swank's character goes to Ireland and she meets Gerard Butler's character and they have like this one romantic day and and it's perfect and then like he they end up getting married and like okay so like the whole like going abroad and falling in love type of thing I thought I was going to do that no it did not happen that way actually putting this on my list probably like you know put it into the world and it came back in a way that I did not expect and not didn't really want. So when I say kiss a completely random stranger, I did in a nightclub on, I have it here as March 30th, 2012, when I was in Italy, I was in Milan. My friends and I had gone up to Milan for the weekend and um, uh, my friends had gone to, you know, get a drink. I don't really drink. And so I was talking to this guy and all of a sudden out of nowhere, he literally grabs me and starts kissing me. And I was like, so petrified. I had like no idea. Like I was so in shock. I didn't even know what to do. I like, tried to push him off and I was like, he was a lot bigger than me. And then my friend comes from the bar and she's like, what the hell is going on? And she, for a petite woman, like she pulled him off of me and she's like, what's going on? And I was like, I, I don't know. And then she like, she's like, get your coat, we're going, right? And so I was like, okay. And it was just one of those times where, you know, I was very young. This was like, you know, my first experience abroad. I was and going clubbing and stuff like that and going out. And so um, I'm very grateful to her. And even to this day, I'm very grateful to her um, for that. And so be careful what you put on your list because it might come and in a way that you didn't expect and didn't want. So I'm glad that nothing bad came out of that night. Um, I spent the rest of my night with her and my friends and it was fine. And I had my guy, I had guy friends with me there as well, but they were at the bar. So it was fine. Um, number 27 was help plan a wedding and it doesn't have to be my own. So I am not married, <laughs> but I have been a bridesmaid four times. And if you know anything about being a bridesmaid, it's a lot of work. And actually one of them was not any work at all. It was just a very last minute type of thing but three of them were quite extensive. And so one of them was for my cousin, two of them were for my best friends. And so, you know, being part of a wedding process, I was like, this is so much work. I think being like, when you are younger, you have this idea that a wedding is like, oh my God, it's so magical and it's so wonderful. And it's so 
great and things like that. But when you actually do it, oh my God, this is like so much work. Um, even being a bridesmaid, it's like it's so much planning. There's so much involved in it. Um, and I personally, right now in my life, do not plan on getting married or having a wedding. I have my own opinions on that. And my partner is in the same way. It's not that we are not committed to each other. It's not, it's just that it's not, not something that we're both seeking out for this time in our lives. Plus, like, I am a really great bridesmaid, if I do say so myself, but I'm not very good at, I don't think I'd be very good at being a bride because I just don't like having attention, all the attention on me. Um, and so being the center of attention at a wedding would make me extremely uncomfortable. And so that's why I don't pursue it. But I'm glad I got to be a part of other people's weddings. And I like travel for weddings. I went to Sri Lanka in 2019 to go to a friend's wedding. Like I love weddings. I have nothing against them. I get obviously because I'm always involved in them. But it's just not for me. Number 28. This is like the most random thing on my list and like makes no sense. So I'm just going to quickly bypass through this one. And that is see all four side bridges in Venice, Oxford, Cambridge, and Copenhagen. So Copenhagen is the only one I didn't go to, but I don't really know why I had this on my list. A side bridge is basically a bridge, a covered bridge in Europe. And it was, it's kind of like morbid. And so maybe I wrote this during like my, like not even teen angsty because I wasn't a teen anymore, but like pre like teen angsty early 20s don't know what I'm gonna do with my life type of emotion phase and um uh, it's a bridge that you go to and there's like a single brit there's like a single window for basically prisoners and people would travel this would be a side bridge it would be a, a bridge between a place and then their like execution area and this would be their last glimpse at life and it once they look through that window and so I think when I wrote this on my list, it was supposed to be poetic, like that I should, you know, go to all these bridges and appreciate life because it could end at any moment. But in execution, it was not that practical. And I don't think I would go to Copenhagen just to see this one bridge. I would love to go to Copenhagen, maybe see some of my friends there, but not for this reason. I'm not going to expand on this too much because people always ask me about this. And I'm like, oh, I don't really have a great answer. I guess I was just really dramatic at the time I wrote it. <laughs> okay, and number 29 was go back to Bali when this is all done. And I did say go back because I was in Bali for one day on that cruise that I was in um, in Asia. This is something I don't count, actually, because Bali is actually very busy, a busy city. And we only were able to go to the water temple, which is amazing, by the way, beautiful. But I never really got to explore it, so... Um, I think that I might go back one day, but to be honest, I'm going to be dropping this off on my list as in, it is something I thought about, like, because I was watching Eat, Pray, Love, you know, like Bali was such a, um, exciting time, but I think it's actually been overrun quite a bit by expats, tourists, people who quote unquote, like are business boss babes and stuff like that. And I think you've lost it a lot of the culture of Indonesia. I would love to go to Indonesia, actually. My friend is from there and she actually, her family owns a dive site there. And she's like, if you're ever here, you come back and we go diving. And I'm like, oh my God, oh, that would be amazing. And I, like Indonesia has some of the best diving in the world. I've read a lot about it. So I would love to go back, no doubt, and learn more about Indonesian food and culture. Um, but I don't think I would actually really centralize myself in Bali just because I've heard the people who've gone there since, uh, and again, I wrote this a long time ago, and I went in 2015, um, that it's gotten really touristy and you have to pay to take photos of anything these days. So 
Um, I still love to um, explore Indonesia, but more on the, you know, culture and parts outside of Bali, because I don't think that's going to be, because it's so filled with other people, it's probably not representative of Indonesia anymore. Anyways, this episode's like an hour long. Wow, this is, I talk so much. And I was like, okay, well, if you were ever interested in learning about me, this is it. <laughs> and number 30 on my list is to find what makes me happy. And I do think I, I have found what makes me happy. I think I'm so incredibly proud of the person that I have become um, throughout my personal growth, throughout all my mistakes, throughout learning, through everything. It is, I am very proud. I think 20-year-old Kim would be proud of where I am at 30 even though she'd be like, why are you locked up in the house all day? <laughs> but I, like I had mentioned in the middle of this episode somewhere, I've been feeling kind of you know, nostalgic and surreal lately about turning 30 because I think sometimes when I look back on it, I was like, ugh, according to these terms, I didn't accomplish that much, but actually I did accomplish a lot. And I really am so proud of the personal growth that I have gone through in my 20s. I think it was exponential. I think I'm a I think I've grown and learned and I wouldn't say a completely different person, but I do think I am a better person than I was at the beginning. I am not as emotional. I'm also very um not as selfish as I was at the beginning, but also I'm just so much aware of the world of other people, of myself and taking care of like the world, other people and myself. Like I'm just really proud of the person that I've become. And if you'll notice on this list, there's a lot of things that I accomplished that weren't originally on my goals list. Like I bought an apartment, but that wasn't on my list at the beginning because I feel like when I was younger, I never, I don't even know what I was doing. I never had the thought of like chasing material items. I've always been the type of person that chased learning, chased growth, chased experiences. um, And I never thought like, oh, I'll be a millionaire. Oh, I need to have a six-figure net worth. Oh, I need to have um, like an apartment and like have different like rental properties. I have no idea what was going on in my head actually all in my 20s. All I could think about was growing and learning and exploring and pushing myself and challenging myself. And that's the part of my 20s that I really want to take into my 30s is to not, I feel like, be sucked into that culture that money or career or like certain markers of success is all I will chase because that's what society sees as successful. I really want to also base my success on my personal growth and my ability to learn and my ability to be able to help other types of people with what I've learned. And so if you have listened to this episode fully through, oh my goodness, thank you. Bravo. I can't believe you listened to an hour long of me talking about my 20s. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope that you learned more about me. I, this episode was purely for fun. Um, and really, if you are thinking and reflecting back on your life, if you're feeling like you're left behind, just note that the growth is, you can't always see it in the moment, but working towards it makes such a massive difference. I, every year of my 20s, just lived to that year the fullest. I had no grand scheme. I had no grand plan. And it was also a lot of unexpected things came up. And that's just, I think that I mentioned this before, that's the cost of living a life full of different emotions and different um, feelings and events. And even though like as a high achieving perfectionist, sometimes 
it can seem kind of annoying that we are also seems like very, you know, highly sensitive to criticism. Um, I also like that I've always worn my heart in my sleeve and to not become jaded with things not working out the way that I had planned. So anyways, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. Oh my God, it's been long, like literally like long enough. So if you enjoyed it, please let me know. You can send me a DM at um, worklifemoney.co on Instagram or email me Kimberly at worklifemoney.co. My contact information is always in the show notes. And until next time, I'm always cheering you on. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you later.